It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's a pleasure to have you all out there listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator of the e-commerce Master Plan. I'm an author, speaker and advisor, and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. Last time we chatted with and caught up with the guys from Venarchi and learned all about how to use crowdfunding on Kickstarter to market your business. Not just launch your business, but market your business. You can join in the chat in our Facebook group about all things e-commerce, including that at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. This podcast is sponsored by Paper Planes, who also sponsored the e-commerce master plan virtual summit. So a big thank you from me to Dan, Livia and the team for that. Now, if you want to know what the Paper Planes is all about, visit flypaperplanes.co.uk. They have an impressive offer for all you listeners out there, which is a discount of up to 50% off rate card for any campaigns triggering 10,000 prints or over. Quote master plan to get that one. Now, let's get on with today's show. So I'm going to introduce you to today's special guest. Jane Fisher is a co-founder at Harper Wild, an online retailer looking to change the way we buy bras. Now, after 18 months of planning and funding and getting themselves ready, they launched just one month ago from when we're recording this, and they're already seeing repeat customers. So it's a story we all need to know a lot more about. So um, hello, Jane. Hi, Chloe. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you on. And I've just like the most ridiculously short overview ever. But um, so let's start off with how you got started off in e-commerce a whole month ago. Yeah, absolutely. So it was actually, I I went to business school with my now co-founder, Jenna, and we were sitting in one of those intro to marketing classes and talking a lot about other direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands like Warby Parker and Casper and Brooklinen, who were disrupting all these different industries like eyeglasses and mattresses Mm -hmm. that were products that you thought you had to buy them in store up until now. And also products that were extremely expensive. And it just all of a sudden hit us, not with a retail background or any reason other than the fact that we were consumers of bras, that they were so expensive and so hard to buy. Could they possibly be one of these products that lends themselves well to a slick e-commerce experience? Um, and so that's how it started. And we, we looked into the industry a bit just to better understand if they really needed to be that expensive or not, because we knew nothing about how much it costs to make a bra and what the market looked like. And yeah, about a year and a half ago, after that first semester at Wharton, we walked away pretty, pretty blown away by the opportunity. And you just had to make it a reality. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, For us, you know, we again didn't come in with a retail background Mm -hmm. or even the desire to start a company necessarily. So all the testing we did to see if that this was an opportunity over the last 18 months was super logical. It took a lot of very, um, just thoughtful steps and all the research that we did. And so it wasn't one moment that we said, okay, we absolutely need to do this. It was over the course of a time and learning a lot that we eventually surfaced how big of an opportunity it was and over time really committed to doing it um, ultimately full-time now. I suppose that's that's um, quite a good way of going at it, isn't it? It's not like you were looking for it. So you almost had to convince yourselves 
before you went out yeah. and convinced anyone else. Like, do we actually want to do this? It wasn't my plan. Was it your plan? No, not my plan. Retail, really? <laughs> Retail? Oh, bras sizing. Ah. So, um, yeah. So, an, yeah, in, an interesting research phase. Yeah, there actually, I mean, to be honest, there were a lot of times where people in the industry told us we shouldn't do it because bras were the hardest garment to make. There are Mm -hmm. 20 something different parts, all these reasons why not. And I think a part of the reason why we kept trekking forward um, partly was because we felt we saw the huge demand and need in the market and the lack of other players in the market fitting that need, um, the high margins. And then also, I think it was a bit of bit of the fact that we were so naive about it. And we, you know, we heard them say it was tough, but we looked at all these bras in Walmart or Costco selling for $8. And, and you know, it's not a new product. It's something that's been made before. So we we're like, well, other people have done this before. We can figure it out. But, and it's not like it's as complicated as a computer or a laptop, one would hope. You know, yes. there are more times, more complicated things out there. At times it felt that complicated, <laughs> but yes, you're right. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to dive into a bit more of the research and the product itself um, shortly. But first of all, I just want to make sure people understand where you're at right now. So um, you're in the US and are you selling purely US or have you gone global already? The only um, outside of the US, the only place where we are selling right now is Canada. Keeping it on the the landmass, as it were. Yes, exactly. And um, the reason behind that is because we a big part of our value proposition is free home try-ons. And right now our warehouse where we fulfill out of is in LA. And so um, if we're going to offer free try-ons, uh, we, would, we would need to move a, a warehouse to a more centralized place if we were to move internationally. Wow, so a customer can order the product and try it on at home without paying you a penny? Exactly. Um, So one thing we heard from women was they want to take a lot into the dressing room and try them on. Mm -hmm. And bras are so expensive, you don't necessarily want to order a ton, pay for them, and kind of have that fear in the back of your head that you'll forget to return them and end up paying for all of them. And so one thing that we tested um, very early on was this idea of a free home try-on. Basically, if if we allowed women to pick any combination of style, size, color, take them home for free with out literally without a single cent put on their card um, and then return for free anything they don't want um, and just pay if they keep anything, would that really help uh, reduce the barrier to trying online? And it, we, we saw early on that it really did. Okay, cool. There's a there's a new development in the space. Um, we'll come back to a bit more about the product shortly, but let's just, um, what platform are you selling on? Have you done something bespoke or are you a, on a Shopify or Magento or something? We are built on Shopify. Cool. Love a bit of Shopify. Anyone out there who mm-hmm. wants a bit of Shopify, you can get a, a very nice e-commerce master plan discount if you go to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Shopify. Um, so given you're on Shopify, you must have some apps, widgets, plugins that you're using. Any you care to uh, to recommend? Yes, um, we certainly do. Uh, so let's see. The probably the most prominent one that we've been using is called Recharge. And the reason for that is because of this home try-on model. Mm-hmm. So 
it, we we didn't quite, we knew there would be a lot of challenges, but I think that one of the most um, surprising ones was how hard it was to technically enable free home triumphs within our website. So Recharge is actually built for a subscription basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, with the help of the Recharge team and the founder who have been amazing, we have manipulated it to be a free home try-on app. Um, this is probably something that in retrospect maybe would have been better spent being built from scratch, but <laughs> um, being financially constrained and time constrained, um, Recharge is is working well for now. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and then uh, what does your team look like at the moment? So obviously the two of you founders, um, are you doing everything or have you outsourced? Have you got hired some people? What's the team looking like? Yes, we are not doing everything. I don't know how we could survive. We have <laughs> we have four people in addition to the two of us. And then even just the two of us, from an early point in, in building the business, we just we decided that there would be um, a division of the responsibilities. And mm-hmm. this was based not only on our backgrounds, but I think more importantly, on our interests and what energized us at the end of the day. And so Jenna focuses all on the user experience side of things. So everything, marketing, branding, PR. PR, website design, that's all in Jenna's camp. And she has a product development background and an interest in, in marketing. So that that made sense for her. And then for me, I focus on all of the operations. So everything from manufacturing, supply chain, fulfillment to our customers where I focus. Um, so again, we decided that pretty early on when we realized we both couldn't be on every single call and meeting and email. Um, and then for the other four people on our team, we have someone leading our customer experience, um, someone leading our growth, marketing, someone on operations, and then an intern for our social media. Cool. And I, I love the fact that although you've split the roles, it's kind of almost like a mindset split to my mind rather than an actual 100% division of who logs into what. Because a lot mm-hmm. of kind of like the user experience overlaps with a lot of the ops. So it's like you're totally. still working together, but you're kind of coming with these different perspectives. I think that's very cool. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, we, Jenna and I work side by side on everything and all of the bigger strategic decisions, we have the holistic vision in mind. And and so frankly, it's not even because it's, you know, we feel like we have to, it's because she's truly my partner and I really value her opinion. So even though it falls in the operations bucket, whether, you know, we do a crack and peel, sticky return label or one that people have to cut out and tape on, I still want to get her opinion on it. Um, but it definitely is, it, it is a mindset thing. Um, it's somewhat so that we can divide up all of, all of the time that we're spending on everything. Um, but really just about like who, who has the mindset to think about the different areas. Cool. And now we've kind of run through nice and quickly there, the the key things about the business right now, the thing which we've really glossed over is the product. Now you're doing those free home trials. I'm guessing that's not the only innovation you're bringing to the world of bras. So do you want to explain a bit about how your product's different from the norm? Yeah. Um, so I guess I would I would first step back and say, when we first went about starting the business, we thought about being everything. This, you know, amazing bra with the perfect fit and amazing online experience at a low price and basically everything. And the pushback that we got was you can't be everything. Um, first of all, just you could you can't be extremely high quality and super low price. That's 
you know, you, you mm-hmm. just can't achieve that. But also as a marketing message to customers, you can't just blurt out these 18 different things and hope they know your value proposition. You have to stand for something. Um, mm-hmm. And so for us, it actually was really not about the product. It was about the experience of finding the product. Okay. And that was driven by surveys and focus groups. We talked to hundreds and hundreds of women and we never once heard a woman say, there isn't a bra out there for me. All we heard time and time again was it's so hard to find the bra. There are thousands of bras out there, right? It's about Mm -hmm. that purchasing process of sifting through hundreds of options and having to get into a dressing room where some sales associate fondles you and then you check out and it's $60 (laughs) and it's this horrible experience. And so we spent months and months developing a really, really awesome bra that was informed by a lot of customer input. Um, and I'll explain the details of it, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to step back because making a really good bra that people love um, was table stakes for us. Really what it was about was innovating on the purchasing process, um, and we've done that in three ways. First, with the free home try-ons. Yep. Second, with the simple options. Um, so again, a lot of what we heard from women is they're faced with 250 to 300 options on average. And there's this theory of the paradox of choice that when you're inundated with all those options, you actually are upset at the end. You you either don't make a purchase or you make a purchase and you're upset you missed out on the other 299. <laughs> <laughs> and so we wanted to really simplify it for, for customers. Um, so we created one of every style in really simple colors. Um, and then the third way that we innovated on the purchasing process was a much fairer price. So we sell our bras at $35 and they're comparable quality to the Calvin Klein's at $60 and $70. So wow. half the price with that free home try-on included. Um, but, but to your original question, which I have <laughs> completely neglected about the product itself, um, we did go through months and months of iteration on the product. And what we heard from women was, you know, I want something that's really comfortable, but not a grandma bra. You know, I don't need the Victoria's (laughs) Secret lace and diamonds and bows and whistles and all that crap, to be honest, that jacks up the price. Um, I just want something that's, that's nice. I feel good in, um, but that, but that doesn't have all of that BS in it. And so our bras are super soft. We invested a lot in the fabric and the cups. Um, so it's very breathable, very durable, soft fabric. The straps are just from the front. And for those who are listening who don't know, um, typically the straps adjust from the back, which is pretty weird because we can't reach back there. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so that, that was an obvious one. Um, we Our straps also have a hook. It's called a J hook in the back that allows it to easily become a racer back for any tank tops or dresses that need um, the straps to go in that way. We, and finally, we have an X that goes between the bridge, between the cups, and that allows it to not only fit a bit better there, but also fold easily for travel. Wow. It's like you've clearly kind of thought of absolutely everything and you've mentioned several times the feedback we got, the feedback we got, the feedback we got. So you must have done a lot of product research in the last 18 months. Are there any kind of key tips you've got for anybody out there who's thinking of going down such a dramatic product development route? Yeah, definitely. So I guess one of the most daunting aspects of starting this business to us was the fact that we were manufacturing a physical product. So let's set aside 
the whole idea that we didn't even know how to manufacture a physical product for a minute and just focus on the, the fact that that is super capital intensive and a big yeah. investment um, to of time, of money, either our own or other people's. Um, and so how do you, like for us, it, it was this big question of, you know, how do we take all the steps to test before spending all that money? And we were fortunate enough to be in a class at Wharton that helped us think that through. Because I think for for something like a technology product, you, you can kind of create an MVP and test it out there pretty easily. But creating bras, and especially with if you're manufacturing abroad and their minimums are in the thousands, it, for us, it was like, oh my gosh, are we going to manufacture thousands? of bras before we've tested anything. Um, and so one way that we, we did this was, um, we actually did a trial event, um, our first year at Wharton where we bought hundreds of existing bras uh, in existing brands. Other people's product. Yes, exactly. And we were, we brought people over to my house in Philadelphia and we ran a test that basically mimicked our online purchasing process and the free home try-ons. So we laid out the existing bras, um, you know, facing front, facing back. People weren't allowed to touch them because you can't touch them online. Um, we covered up the brand so they weren't influenced by that, but we showed price so that we could test mm-hmm. price sensitivity. Um, and we allowed people to take home either three or five bras because at that point we were also testing how many we should include in the free home try-on. And we kind of did it in a very scrappy way. So we didn't. We took people's cell phone numbers and what they took, and then we set up places where they could drop off the bras a week later. So. So for us, it was either in the area in Philadelphia where a lot of us lived or over by school where we all went every day to class. That was to mimic a USPS drop-off location that's mm-hmm. either around your house or at work. And then if anyone kept the bras past a certain amount of time, we would Venmo charge them just like your credit card would be charged if you were to mimic the real free home try-on process. So it was it was a way for us to test a lot of aspects of the business, and we learned a lot from it, um, some of which informed the actual product details, Some of, a lot of what I just told you. Mm. Um, some informed the price that we actually ended up setting our bras at, some about the number that we sent home in the free home try-on. Um, there was a lot we were able to learn from that and in the process not actually have to go through manufacturing our own bras. Wow. And that's like, I want to say it's like creating a virtual online store, but it's not creating a virtual online store. It's creating a real world online store. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a, that must have been hugely labor intensive. And I'm guessing there was quite a lot of prep work to work out exactly what you wanted to test. in Because ev- you're, you're testing a lot in that, aren't you? You've got product selection price point. You've got product selection method. You've got the home trial. How many? How honest are people going to be? Where do they want to drop off? Pretty, pretty impressive load of stats, I would think. Yeah, we we also did a survey after the fact around to better understand what they kept and why. We did a branding survey to to test some of the branding that we were starting to put out at that point. I mean, there was it was you're right, it was a lot of preparation, um, and we worked through a lot of the variables that we were testing ahead of time, and we also continued to test on them after the fact. So we ran a like for instance price sensitivity. We didn't just walk away from that and say okay, we're thirty five dollars. We 
we had an indication of kind of a, a floor and ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then we went and tested that a, a little more um, qualitative or quantitatively um, through some other surveying. Um, so, so there was a lot to it and there was a lot of follow-up as well, but I would say well worth it. And as far as a financial investment, it really allowed us to learn a lot before we spent a lot. Oh, definitely. And I, I like the fact that kind of the key testing you've done is it's more about the customer experience. As you said, you know, that's the thing you decided was going to be the important part, more so than what the bras look like to some extent. You know, it's like, is our, is our whole concept going to work? Okay, yes, now we can spend the time getting the product right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the product, uh, and especially now that we're starting to get customer feedback, I will say the product has to be good. Like if the product isn't good, nothing else matters. At the end of the day, people, even if they had a great experience, they're just not going to keep mm-hmm. it. But for us, that was just, that was table stakes. That that just had to be the case. But where we wanted to set ourselves apart when we looked at the rest of the market was more on that purchasing process. Um, because a lot of our competitors who were starting to pop up were innovating just on the bra, but keeping the price high and the online experience still had a ton of options. Um, so that's where we wanted to set ourselves apart in addition to having a really good product. Okay, cool. And clearly it's working because I said in the intro that you've been live a month and you're already getting repeat customers, which is something I know a lot of people listening would kill for repeat customers within 12 months, let alone (laughs) within one month. So um, one month in, Jane, what do you think is the most awesome thing about the business right now? Um, I think the, the branding is something that has has really, um, how do I say this? Just, I mean, it's resonating so strongly with customers, um, which I think is a combination of, we really kind of took a stance. If you look at our branding, our social threads, they're, they're, they have a really strong voice, which was us, this irreverent sense of humor that pokes fun at the industry. We launched with a video that shows all the pain points of buying a bra by showing it as if a guy had to go through it when buying his boxers. <laughs> so he he like he gets his crotch measured. He gets offered a padded crotch pair of boxers, the family <laughs> jewel collection. Um, so he went. He he has to go through all these things, and and it really. I mean it took off right away because I think it resonated a lot with women um, and men really appreciated it too. Um, And so, I mean, we hear women writing in from all over um, and, uh, you know, a lot of them talk about how much they love the product and they love the the site, but what we'll hear even more of is finally a brand I can really relate to um, and one that isn't this over-sexualized Victoria's Secret, um, which is the dominant player, at least here in the U.S. And I think that we're just in a place in in the development, especially of women, where we're, we're not relating to this lacy corset um, Victoria's Secret angel, um, we're, we're strong women who are taking charge and leading businesses and our doctors and lawyers. And we want a brand that we're proud to stand behind. Um, and that's, that's really what we're hearing loud and clear from women and has been probably one of the most interesting things since we've launched to hear. It's, um, it, it makes a lot of sense with sense to me what you're saying. And it, it also, the the best other example I can think of is the trend in women's, um, we say the UK pants, but, you know, 
panties, I suppose you say in the US, which I had the most amazing stat the other day, which is that, I mean, when I was in school, like uh, 15 years ago or so, everybody wore thongs, G-strings. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that is like the most ridiculously uncomfortable version of underwear <laughs> ever. But, yeah. but if you weren't wearing that, you were a granny, basically. <laughs> and And nowadays, it's like only 10% of underwear sales in the UK are mm-hmm. thongs or g-strings everyone is now wearing pants because they're just clearly a more effective pair of underwear on every front and mm-hmm. it, it's interesting to kind of, kind of like that you know what you're saying about the marketing and about everything it's like oh actually now we're, we're turning the corner and we're actually now buying the products we want to wear rather mm-hmm. than the products we think people want to see us in Yeah, that's, that's, that's so interesting to hear. Um, And that's exactly it. I mean, when Jenna and I built this brand, and started out with the idea of the company, it was always about more than just bras to us. It was about empowering women. We saw our friends who were living in big cities and were wildly successful, could definitely afford to replace their bras, but we're sitting there with these like torn up five-year-old <laughs> gross bras. And we, when we talk to them, they're too busy. You know, they, they're working crazy mm-hmm. hours. They live in New York and can't get to wherever the the mall is or wherever you buy bras. And they also are so frustrated by how much money they're spending. And so we wanted to give the power back to them and say, in a world where you are buying literally everything online, why not your most basic commodity as a woman? That's kind of crazy. And so really, it was about simplifying their lives and thereby empowering them to spend spend that time and money elsewhere where it's better spent like at their jobs or with their friends and families. So it's clear that you guys have run a very successful launch. Um, Obviously, the branding and the messaging around that's been very important. Is there any kind of one other key tip you give to anyone who's planning a big launch that you've seen really pay off in the last month? Um, So let's see, I would say there are two aspects of it. There's, Mm -hmm. there's kind of the scaling or the scalable marketing tactics that we've done, like PR and Facebook ads, Google AdWords, that's all certainly been helpful um, Mm -hmm. in building awareness and credibility. But we've recently started to take um, an approach that's a bit more of a grassroots approach. Um, And so that, that has been everything from walking the streets in LA, handing out boob cupcakes and cards that say, don't let your boobs down, don't let your friends' boobs down, um, to we're hosting a comedy show with all these female comedians and the proceeds will go to our social impact partner who I haven't talked much about, but that's um, Glamour Magazine's The Girl Project that helps educate young girls, um, further empowering the future women. And yeah, and all the way to we're talking um, with some other partners um, about running events around International Day of the Girl, but it's a, it's a bit more of these these grassroots movements um, because we strongly believe that the way women learn about a brand and really trust it is from their friends. And so how can we leverage that natural inclination to share a brand you love with your friends? And so we've built this wild women community of of basically ambassadors, brand ambassadors. Um, And we're just starting it out right now. And it's so exciting. Actually, just two weeks ago, Jenna and I were in New York and we met with one of one of our first wild woman um, ambassadors. And, And just to hear her story, she had written in about how 
she had um, just wasted three hours of her life at Bloomingdale's <laughs> that she could never get back. And then she got home and saw our ad. And so we just wanted to learn a bit more about her. Um, and so it, it, I guess I wouldn't have thought that these would make such a difference because when you're, when you're thinking big, it's not the most scalable um, option, but it really, I think it's, it sticks a lot more than that, than that ad that pops up on your newsfeed with all the other ones. Um, so I, I guess the, the takeaway would be, um, while those are kind of status quo today to run the Facebook ads and Instagram ads and get the PR that you need to build credibility, I think there's a lot more towards these um, smaller, less scalable growth events, because I think they're more genuine to customers. And so if you can get traction from those, it will stick a lot more. It's a much bigger impact if smaller events. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, look, um, Jane, well, I have one slightly cheeky question before we go into the top tips round, which is, did you finish the MBA? <laughs> Great question. We did finish it, but we thought long and hard about not finishing it, and <laughs> we barely passed <laughs> in the end. Um, I mean, the short of it is we worked our, our business school schedules completely around the business. So the little classes that we were in um, were all focused around the business. And so mm-hmm. if there was a final project in like I took a retail supply chain class, I just wrote about our retail supply chain. Um, so we actually found that the resources at Wharton were super helpful. So rather than leave sooner, um, we just worked on it alongside our classes and got some of the benefits of being there. Nice, kind of used it as a bit of an incubator. Exactly. Very nice, very clever. Okay, um, it's time for the top tips round. Before we dive into the top tips, here's a reminder of our sponsor. Are you struggling to see a return on investment from your email comms? Imagine a letter that you know your customer would want to read. Imagine if it could write and send itself at the very moment you know your customer would want to read it. Paper Planes links online behaviour to highly relevant, personalised, tangible media that lands with customers within 48 hours. That's programmatic direct mail. And that's what Paper Planes deliver. Visit flypaperplanes.co.uk to see how it works and quote Masterplan to receive a discount of up to 50% off rate card for any campaigns triggering 10,000 prints or over. Now, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners yet more ideas. Thank you, because you've given us so many already for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Jane, first up is the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Oh, great question. So one that really inspired us that might be more from a personal standpoint was, um, Adam Grant's originals. So the premise of the book, and you can also watch his Ted talk, um, is that the way that you think about, um, who are original people and therefore the people who might be entrepreneurs and start businesses is a little counterintuitive. Um, and so he did, he's, he's a Wharton professor, um, and I love the work that he does because everything that he talks about is founded in a lot of data to back it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so he calls out all these different aspects of an original, he terms it, um, that you wouldn't necessarily think would be the case. 
Um, so I won't give it away, but you can <laughs> either read the book or watch his TED Talk if you want to see it in a shorter version. Um, but it really helped inspire us because it's very relatable. You kind of think these big entrepreneurs must have something that I don't have um, that's something special. And then you, you watch it and you're like, oh, maybe it could be me. Oh, cool. Okay. The traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Yeah, great question. Um, so we talked a bit about it before, but I would say having a super strong voice and the advice that we got early on, which I think was really helpful was even if your product is something like bras that could appeal to 50% of the population, really hone in on who your target market is, a specific woman who would appeal to a specific voice and build your branding and your voice all around that. And so when you look at our branding, again, it's, it's a little bit edgy. It might make some people feel uncomfortable and you just have to really stick to that and know that although you might lose some people, you're going to really strongly bring in others rather than kind of generally appeal to the masses. Oh, awesome. And Jane, um, if you're able to send me a link to the video of the boxer shorts being bought, um, I will, I'll put it up on the show notes page so everyone can have a look so they can really grasp what you're talking about there, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Marvellous. Okay, the tool top tip. This might be a collaboration tool, a social media plug in a phone app or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? So the two that we use are probably pretty common, but it's Slack and Asana. Um, so Slack, <laughs> Slack completely changed our lives. <laughs> I mean, we, we were, because Jen and I were texting and email. I mean, these days you have like a thousand ways to communicate mm -hmm. about a hundred different things. And so Slack allowed us to really segment out the different conversations we were having from everything from look at this awesome customer feedback we got, um, to we're trying to decide about the new packaging, um, to should we run this marketing event. And so now we have channels within Slack to talk about all those different things and team members can have access to different channels. Um, so that helps us just with communication and Asana helps with just tracking our progress against a lot of, um, to do's. Okay, cool. Uh, the startup top tip then. If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what, what would be your first tip for them? I would say do it <laughs> and don't and don't listen or I guess not, it's not don't listen, but when people tell you no or you can't, don't let it bring you down. Instead, embrace it as an opportunity to think about a way to do things differently because for every time you hear no, there are so many people before you who also heard no and gave up, which means there's some opportunity there because no one's doing it yet. And a lot of people will tell you no because it hasn't been done before, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. And again, like for us, this was so clear when so many people with 20 years of retail experience and us who had never done anything in retail other than bought it as customers, um, heard from them, don't do this, don't do this garment or bras are so hard to make. Um, and we kind of just said, maybe that's why a lot of people have decided not to do it. And there's no good option today. Let's see if we can figure it out. Um, so I would say do it and, um, persevere through a lot of the, the voices that you're, that you'll hear that will tell you, you can't. 
Oh, great advice. Well, Master Plan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll see a link to this show. Jane, before we say goodbye, would you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media? Yeah, you can find us at harperwild, wild with an E dot com. And you can email us at hello at harperwild.com. Perfect. I'll add links to that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. As I said, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Jane, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You've been an awesome guest and I wish you huge success for the coming months because I think it's a it's absolutely brilliant business you've, you've brought to the world. Thanks so much, Chloe. Really appreciate it. It's been so great getting to talk to you. Wow, how cool does Jane's business sound? I know they put an awful lot of work into getting it ready, but did some really clever things along the way. But I think they're going to be and continue to be super successful. Um, I personally thought some of the best things she was telling us about were how they realised what they were going to focus on was not going to be necessarily the product that was like, as she said, table stakes, which is what had it had to be good. But it was all about that customer experience to make the difference in the marketplace. Then that mega test they did where they bought um, other people's bras in order to test out the customer experience before they even went anywhere near designing their own prototypes, I thought was was clearly a big, complex project, but hugely powerful way of testing your concept and learning more about your customers before you go down that route. And then finally, uh, well, kind of kind of a lot of points around the marketing, I guess two big points around the marketing. One that clear brand and the fact she was she was recommending us in the top tips then to make sure that our customer the voice our customer will respond to is a key part of their persona uh, or the avatar depending on what you want to call it and that that you're really going to make that something that they can resonate with that will as a natural result of that turn some people off you and then the fact that they were they're both doing this, the kind of the normal scalable marketing tactics of ads, PR, Facebook, Google, etc. But then they're already doing those grassroots activities with the wild women um, influencer group that they're creating and then literally walking the streets of their city with cupcakes, telling people to check out their bras. I think, you know, it's kind of that no stone unturned approach, but I think, think that was just such a such a fascinating interview and I will definitely be listening again. Now, what did you think? Did you like this one? Do you want to hear more like this? Then uh, then tell me via the Facebook group. Ask your questions in the Facebook group. It's the e-commerce master plan world Facebook group. And the quickest way to get to it is to go to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. Now, if you'd like some more ideas around product development or around listening to your customers and testing, we covered that in the e-commerce master plan virtual summit. It's um, packed with over 25 uh, sessions from different e-commerce experts telling you about different ways in which to grow your business across five themed sections. And uh, you can get the whole thing for free by going to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash summit. An amazing selection of videos to help you build your business as we go into Christmas and beyond. Have a great week, all of you, and keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.